0: What's up everybody, and welcome back to Tulsa League. I'm your host Mike, and this is the show where I ride around and talk to the various businesses and people that make Green Country awesome and interesting. If you're new to the show, I got a decent-sized catalog of other episodes and interviews that I'm sure you'll be able to find something that you would enjoy. And if you haven't, then make sure you subscribe on the Soundstooth app, iTunes, Spotify, SoundCloud, Stitcher, all the important ones. But for today's Friday's episode, I spoke with a woman in Tulsa who has been teaching traditional Irish dance for a very long time, and we discussed the amount of training that goes into it, as well as competitions that she goes to, and it was just a really fun look at this uh, little piece of culture and tradition that is really more common than you'd think and has a lot of people worldwide trying to keep it alive. So yeah, without further ado, enjoy. All right, so I'm here on location with the founder of the Good Academy of Irish Dance. You want to introduce yourself?
1: Hi, I'm Katie Good, and I am an Irish dance teacher here in Tulsa for the last ten years.
0: Ten years. Ten years. Spe- or teaching specifically Irish dance. Yes. Uh, do you have a history in teaching other types of dance?
1: I, not other dances. Really? I did do ballet, tap, and jazz okay. when I was younger. For so about- you
0: practice it, but. You practiced it, but yeah.
1: So I did ballet, tap, and jazz when I was elementary school, high school, junior high. I did drill team, competitive cheer, and I actually didn't start Irish dancing until I was sixteen, which is actually pretty late.
0: Hmm. I mean, how did you get into that? Because that's, I mean, you know, it seems really cool, but it's kind of an obscure thing to sort of.
1: Absolutely. You know. So twenty, I think it's been a little over twenty years now. River dance really made headway. It was really popular performance that PBS used to play. And my mom caught it and was just mesmerized. So I was about probably 15 at the time. And so Riverdance was on PBS and she used to listen to Irish music all the time. Uh. It's kind of funny because I used to call it the headache music because it's one of those where when you have heard it all day, like at a fesh, which is what we call a competition, it's really hard to get out of your head. It just is on repeat. But she used to listen to Irish music and she was determined she was gonna find an Irish dance teacher. And surprisingly enough, she did.
0: And so you just jumped right into it, and it's been we your jumped thing right ever in. since. Yes.
1: Yeah. So that I actually that was in Arkansas. Oh.
0: So okay. We started
1: whenever we lived in Arkansas, and she had a teacher that had just moved to Little Rock. She we you know off the boat. She was from Cork, Ireland, and she was a nurse, and she was teaching Irish dance on the weekends. So my mom got in connection with this teacher. And that's kind of how it started. And she actually took lessons and invited me to come, knowing my dance background and my love of, you know, competitive stuff. And, you know, got hooked and been doing it ever since.
0: So clearly, so your mom sort of kept this love of your Irish heritage alive kind of thing. What What is your history?
1: So heritage-wise, we do have family that came over from during the potato famine. So there are Irish, you know, descendants, distance, you know, distantly in our family. But um, it is, I will say, Irish dance was one of the things that really became a family thing for my mom, me, and my little sister. So we danced, we all danced, and then we would all travel together to go to competitions.
0: I wanted to get into those because you had said you just got back from one with your students. I did.
1: I just got back from Vancouver
0: Vancouver.
1: Yesterday, it was probably the shortest trip I made for a competition. I left Sunday morning, and then I took a red eye Monday night and got back yesterday. So it was the national championships. That was
0: a long fight for a for a short visit. But what what are the what are the championships like?
1: So the like championships. Describe like what happens. You know you during the process. In. Yeah. So the competitions are divided up by age group. So okay. the dancer that I had, she was U eighteen. So that means that she will turn, if she's not 18 already, she'll turn 18 this year. So she danced on Monday, and the competitions consist of a hard shoe dance, a soft shoe dance, and then they do what they call a recall round. So after you dance your first two dances, they add up the scores, and then they call back half of the competitors to do a set dance. And the set dance is kind of a special dance Um, When you do your first two rounds, you're on stage with other people. Hmm. But the set dance is you're on the stage by yourself, and you really get to highlight, you know, footwork. We call it fancy footwork. Um, You really get to add a lot more personality into your set dance.
0: And so, I mean, that sounds like a that sounds like a lot of work. How how often does someone that is how let's use for example who you took to competition? How Mm -hmm. often are they here practicing? With so you.
1: she is, um, she's considered a champion dancer. There's the levels go from beginner, advanced beginner, novice, prize winner, preliminary champion, and then open champion, open champion okay. is your highest level in which she has reached. And she spends about, um, she does class about two days a week for four hours. And then a lot of the work is done really at home, practicing cross training, um, and then there are times where she'll come into the studio extra for private lessons as we prepare for some of these majors. So there's the national champions that happen the weekend, the first week in July. Okay. The regionals are the first weekend in December. And then there's really kind of been a quick turnaround with this last competition because we just did the world championships and it's always during Easter. And Easter was a little bit later this year. So we've had about 10 weeks to go from the world championships to the national championships
0: wow (laughs) now i how you're talking about world championships so Mm -hmm. how i mean how many countries participate in this because there's a huge history of irish you know colonies and stuff in america so how common is it to have that celebrated elsewhere
1: you know i feel like since riverdance it has really helped kind of grow to other countries you know, just here in the United States, Irish dance has been really popular in places like Boston, New York, Philadelphia, Chicago, um, St. Louis, even. And so, in the South, the Southern region, it includes Washington D.C. all the way over to Texas, Oklahoma, and just recently, in the last, you know, don't don't quote me perfectly on five years but I would say just in the last you know five to ten years you know they've included Mexico into the southern region so when we go to regionals Mexico is part of our region but they're actually working on being able to be a region on their own and having their own regional championships so Mexico is one that has really grown recently I would say the southern region you know Oklahoma Arkansas you know it's still pretty new in our area, there's only one certified school in Tulsa, and maybe only four certified schools in the state. Okay. And wow. so, um, Germany, some countries in Africa, Russia—I would say those are some that have been newer to the Irish dance competitions.
0: Huh. That is really cool. I mean, that's that's just so cool that there is you know irish culture being celebrated everywhere yes. I mean, that's kind of funny i guess you just wouldn't really think about that I, I kind of want to revisit you you sort of you would say they they're four hours for two days a week here and then they're going home and they're cross training and mm-hmm. stuff that is and you know that sounded like a lot but then i sort of started thinking about the videos that i've seen and stuff there is a ton of footwork so is it yes. would you say that it's that it requires more of a cardio workout than maybe other forms of dancing just because there's so much.
1: So one of the things that um, it's really kind of actually been fun to do during her training process is really being able to make sure that we're dancing, training smarter, not necessarily harder. So we're on stage for 90 seconds. For each dance, so they do their soft shoe dance ninety. It's about a minute to ninety seconds. Hard shoe dance a minute to ninety seconds, and the set dance can be anywhere from about a minute and a half, ninety seconds to even up to two minutes. And so there is this element. A long time ago, when I trained, you know, it was we. I think we worked more on endurance than we did stamina. Huh. So we would maybe go running, but we'd go run a mile. But that didn't really translate on stage when you're running for. A mile they're dancing on stage 90 seconds so it's like taking that training and be doing more sprint work ah, with okay. it does that make sense yeah, so sprint, trying to run, stuff like that. yeah trying okay. to make the training mimic more of what they would need to do on stage so cardio would be one but it would be more of like the sprint work for cardio instead okay. of the running for a very long time
0: okay that makes sense so I, you were talking a little bit before we started, and I wanted to get, I wanted you to get back into it. Because it seemed interesting. Uh, what were you doing before you started the studio?
1: So before I started the Good Academy, I worked under a dancer named Kristen Butkey, and she was my dance teacher right before I, I guess, retired from competing. And she actually was third in the world. She was the lead in Lord of the Dance opposite of Michael Flatley huh. for a couple of years. I, everybody knows that name, Michael yeah. Flatley. They associate River Dance, sure. Michael Flatley with Irish Dance. And okay. it is. It is very much that is what Irish Dance is, just with some of the... He adds a lot more flair, I guess you could say. <laughs> so she... When I decided to not compete anymore, I took on teaching, and she tried to build... Kind of a school in Oklahoma there was a branch in Edmond and then there was a small branch in Tulsa and at the time I worked at the city of Tulsa as a recreation coordinator so I would work during the day and then afterwards we would hold classes in the evening for Irish dance
0: oh alright
1: and then I started the Good Academy after I got my certification which you have to have if you want dancers to compete but it's not always about competition but the one thing I really appreciated about the certification was it was a very tough test it was a three-day test it was a music portion it was a dancing portion it was and it was a teaching portion and so they really want to make sure that people who teach Irish dance have they're gonna carry on you know that foundation the culture the tradition um, with them as they continue to teach And so it was a very rigorous test. But I appreciate that because they really want to keep the integrity of Irish dance as it's passed on year after year through the generations.
0: That makes sense. And I always do like to ask about certifications because it always is interesting. Now, that's just a certification that you get. It's not something you might legally have to get, but it's almost something that sort of shows that you have... What right. it takes to teach the right thing, so it's 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 a privately thing, not not a public certification at all.
1: Right. So if I never got my certification, having the background in Irish dance, I could have st- still taught Irish dance. Okay. I just couldn't ever have any dancers a- sign up for a competition. Okay. They want to make sure that teachers are. You know, I have to pay dues each year. Um, I have to attend a yearly meeting with our regional. Um, at our regional competition and so um and there's standards that they set for competition you know they have rules about like you know one of the things that i think is interesting is if you've ever seen irish dance there was a documentary that came out not too long ago on dlc i guess it's been over 10 it's about 10 years called jig and so they follow dancers around the world championships which by the time a dancer is getting to the world championships they've probably been dancing for six, seven years, and they've moved up from that beginner level to champion. So you're kind of seeing the top. You're kind of seeing like the product. You aren't okay. seeing the process. Sure. And so um, when, when everybody saw jig, they saw the blinged out dresses, and they saw the wigs, and they saw the makeup, and um, so in some ways they see that and they don't really understand kind of those beginner levels. Does that make sense?
0: Oh no, definitely. I mean, that it's not even just like they went to the competition; they're seeing mm-hmm. the TV version of the polished product. Right, so,
1: right. Did you get so a lot of
0: people that kind of came in thinking it was, just, "Hey, all right, when do I get to?" Yes, when do I get to go on stage? And, and so, so like, I get a lot whoa, whoa, of people <laughs> that
1: are like, um, "Well, we really don't like kind of like the idea of makeup and the wigs." And I said, "That's okay because guess." what? up until a certain age you're not allowed to wear makeup you're not allowed to wear makeup until at least 10 and there's no reason to wear makeup hmm. at 10 even unless you're at one of those major competitions actually i think it's u11 that they actually get to wear makeup and so if i have dancers we have a actually we, there's a fesh july 13th and 14th in oklahoma city
0: i mean what is this word i'm sorry fesh Fesh so like it's, t-h
1: it's spelled f-e-i-s
0: F E I S. Okay,
1: but it's pronounced fesh. And, so, and what it, exactly does that mean? It just means competition. Just means competition. Mm-hmm. Just the Gaelic
0: word for yes. That's cool. I like yes, that. <laughs> and so,
1: at a fesh, there would be no reason for my beginner dancer, who is ten or eleven, really even twelve. There's no reason for them to wear makeup. They don't okay. really. They don't need the makeup. It's just at that upper level when you are an open champion dancer dancing at the highest level at nationals worlds and regionals do you want to make sure that you have that polished look and I like to compare it to when everybody talks about the makeup if you were in a play on stage you have a lot of bright fluorescent lights on you and the stage makeup just really helps to emphasize you know your look like if you were to put makeup on to make yourself look old or um even I guess they don't even have to do that to look old, do they? Are you? Familiar?
0: No, I no I understand. No, I mean because I was in plays and stuff in high school. You would just everything. be washed out,
1: I guess you could say. Yeah, so, yeah.
0: You look like a yeah. You look like a ghost with no distinguishable features. That's the that's yeah. the
1: that's what I was trying to say. Distinguishable features. So you know you have these dancers who have worked so hard, and they have these bright lights on them, and um, they do tan their legs with fake tanner, and it's kind of like you know when they have worked so hard. And they go to do that extension. You know you don't want that to get lost with a white background and white lights. You want to be able to make sure that you can really show those distinguishable features, especially of all the hard work you've put into it, you know. Mm-hmm. And um, I find that, you know, the dancers, I feel like, should be able to feel like, like look good, feel good when they're on, they're on that stage, too. So. So
0: you're so you're saying this and I guess it's not something really that would have crossed my mind there are people that I assume you've had complaints from people being like I don't want my you know, kid wearing makeup on stage cuz that just seems Well. Maybe just because I did theater stuff when I was younger. It's so, it's so like, why would that be weird? I think
1: some people look at it as more of a pageantry.
0: Okay. And I don't, and you know,
1: and I don't see anything wrong with makeup at pageants. I feel like, like you're talking about, it's just makes your features more distinguishable. Um, I think it's something in the whole Irish dance community that's been debated over the years. But kind of going back to that certification, we have a governing body that, you know, we get to vote on rules as teachers And the TCRG that I have, I'm part of what is the um, CLRG organization based out of Dublin. And so the teachers, as we meet for these meetings, you know, we discuss things that might be issues. And the makeup one and the tanning come up quite often. And so that's when a rule was passed that they aren't allowed to wear makeup until they're an older. Mm, And, you know.
0: Just to sort of quell any sort of Yeah, and like even like
1: toe stands. A lot of my dancers, they can't wait to get toe stands, but they have to be 12 before they're allowed to do toe stands. So on a hard shoe, there are, there's a block, and very much like you would see on a a point shoe for ballet. So they have that flat surface um, that they can get up on top of. Ah, They have something like that on a hard shoe that is, there's fiberglass and they have a flattened top, and so, Dancers love it when they get to earn the right to do toe stands because it's just—it's a fun move and it's kind of like the first fancy footwork they get to do. It's kind but, of
0: iconic with sort of stage dancing. You yeah, know, getting up on the toe. Like yeah.
1: I'm sure getting your point shoes is kind of like you know, a very important moment for a ballet dancer. Yeah. And so hard shoes, getting your toe stands, getting to do toe stands is kind of one of those moments that okay. they've earned the right to do toe stands. And the thing is, is that they're not allowed to do them until 12, and that's not my rule, that's the governing body's rule that we as teachers have decided that it's really not safe for dancers to do until that age, you know, okay. until they have better um, ankle stability, um, you know, core stability, where we know that they could handle that movement without injuring themselves. Okay. So. that's kind of the thing with the the makeup and everything you know we do try to make sure that um, we have these rules in place to keep things from getting out of control but the makeup thing I think is just something that has just gone around I would imagine that it's in similar sports too you know with recitals I'm sure that people talk about how much makeup is appropriate. Sure, um, sure. But it is something that I would even say my husband, my dance my dancer Harper, my daughter. She's 6 and you know the idea of makeup, he doesn't like it, but he also understands that that's not something she's even going to be doing for another 4 or 5 years. Okay. You know, so I think sometimes when you see this little girl, you, you know, there's that innocence that you want to keep and I do call <laughs> I call it the spaghetti years, you know, at a competition for my daughter when she goes to in Oklahoma City next weekend you know she's gonna wear her hair in a ponytail with a bow and she's going to wear a very simple school dress there's an example behind you that houndstooth dress oh, yeah, yeah. so there's no rhinestones on it there's no there's the colors black and white it's very um, you know there's no bright colors. so she's gonna be in a very traditional costume with not a with no wig with no makeup and so it's just kind of I think when jig came out this image of these dancers running around with wigs and makeup and these dresses and they do but there's a process that you go through before you actually get to that phase. Okay.
0: okay. I'll just throw you out in it. So how often do competitions happen? Would you say just in general in the US or regional or anything like in the that US, how many do you go to a year?
1: In the US, there's a competition. You could find a competition probably every weekend.
0: Oh, really? But you would
1: have to probably travel. Yeah. You know, so the ones that my students go to, we have the Oklahoma City Fesh. Last year it was actually held in Stillwater. Um, I think this year, I keep calling it the Oklahoma City Fesh, but I think it's actually going to be in Edmond, but same area. Then there's a Fort Smith Fesh in November. And then Dallas has a Fesh. There's a couple Feshes in Dallas around March and May and then Kansas City so once you get past Oklahoma City and Fort Smith they're about four four to six hours away St. Louis is another one that I have dancers that go to so
0: okay and so do you have any that aren't U 18 that are adults that are going to competitions
1: so I do have um dancers who have gone to the championships like regionals as younger dancers and um but they all still go to these smaller competitions in order to prepare. So I have, um, like my daughter, she's U6, and then I have, you know, I have about probably 15 dancers that compete on a regular basis. And um, what I like people to know is that competing is more of a, there's a championship path, and then there's still like a competition path to where maybe they don't want to go to the national championships one day. Maybe they just want to go to a couple competitions a year, and that's okay, too. So the Just thing have I, goals
0: to work towards. It's yes. not necessarily you're trying to center your life around it. But. Yes,
1: and that's the one thing I do love about Irish dance that I'm sure other activities offer, too. You know, you can do Irish dance just for fun, and then you can do Irish dance as a way to compete but maybe you just want to do a couple competitions like you said be goal oriented give yourself a goal that you're working towards and have a deadline that you have to get it done by okay. and then i have dancers who they do they want to be more on the elite path and they want to they're they're ready to put more time and energy and the effort into going to some of these bigger competitions
0: okay and when there are these long extended training sessions that are happening here how much of that is individualized to the person and how much of it is kind of group routines and workouts kind of thing like that
1: so we have um a champ class that meets twice a week and that one is where we focus more on that competition path so we kind of divide the classes up to where if they're on a that they wanna to go to that elite level, then they have a class that's really dedicated to that. And then I have another class that I call like the recreational class. So they can still go to a competition. They have all the things that they need for a competition. But I also want to give them an avenue to dance and do more performance style all right. dancing. So the dances you would do for a competition they're not what you would always want to do at a performance. So it's just kinda of adding in a little bit more of a fun element for the dancers who don't necessarily want to compete. Okay,
0: okay. Does that make sense? Yeah, I no, that makes sense. So
1: I have a class that's really kinda of dedicated just for more fun, but I do tell them they still have to work hard. They still have to put in some practice time and they still have to give themselves goals to work towards. And that's why if they ever wanted to go to a competition, like the Fort Smith one, or the Oklahoma City one. It's close by, it's a day trip, and they have everything they need to do the competition, but they might not move through the levels very fast, and they are okay with that too.
0: Okay. One last thing that I did want to touch on that um, I had thought when you said it I would like to hear expanded on. You were talking about the test to get the certification. Mm-hmm. You said it was very rigorous. Now I'd be curious, what is the process? How do you get that certification?
1: So I had to send in an application which was signed by another certified teacher. So it's always very good to make sure you have good connections and in good standing with other Irish dance teachers. And um, because we all compete against each other, like our students when they compete. But I have to say, one of my best friends in the whole world, who I got to see in Vancouver, Um, she's an Irish dance teacher in Nashville and so it's always really fun to go and share our you know what's going on in our studio and sharing different training ideas and so in some ways you know you you only get better when you help others right right so um, you have to get uh, signed off by another teacher and then I studied for about three months and there's a music portion there's a teaching portion a dancing portion or actually is a written portion so we're given this book and it's a traditional book of Kaylee's and there's 30 31 Kaylee's
0: what is a Kaylee
1: so a Kaylee is the group dancing that you might recognize okay a lot of people have said that square dancing has actually evolved from Kaylee dancing and so if you can imagine okay, okay. it's just without the calling in the verbal calling during it so it's Cause like we
0: need instructions to dance mm-hmm.
1: so yeah. it's uh, group dancing <laughs> And um, which they do have teams that compete too. I just don't have enough in the same age group to really put a team together. But um, so there would be about, if I counted up all the number of bars, there's like 4,000 bars of choreography in that book. And I walk into a room and I'm told to teach the body of St. Patrick's Day. So out of those 31 k I have to remember what the body of St. Patrick's Day is without looking at the book. Okay. And I have to be able to lilt the music, is what they say, and um, teach a group of dancers on spot. Oh, wow. So you walk in and they say, teach the body of St. Patrick's Day. They do give you a second to kind of think, regroup, you know, get your head around it. And, um, and the same for the dancing. So I had to do two sections of that for the teaching. And then for the dancing, you walk in and they say, you're going to dance the blackbird. So there's some traditional dances that every school all over the world, we all do the same and they're called traditional sets. So there's one called St. Patrick's day, garden of daisies, blackbird. There's some tiny stylized differences, but if a dancer from, you know, a school in Ireland and a dancer from my school, got together and did blackbird they would have the exact same step
0: okay cool so
1: those are called traditional and those are kind of part of that keeping that tradition where we all have the same choreography for these kayleys and these traditional sets
0: okay which is the important of having a sort of centralized organization yes. to have those standards yes I gotcha.
1: because over time like anything things evolve moves evolve and oh, yeah. they just want to make sure that you know there's still that tradition that that those steps are being based off of and then the music, um, the music was actually pretty easy. They played just the set dances, so they would play St. Patrick's Day, and you'd have to be able to recognize that. Then they have what they call non-traditional set dances, and that's what the dancers would do at a championship recall round. So my dancer does Kilkenny races at speed 108, and another dancer from another school might do Kilkenny races at 108 but they would be completely different because it's unique choreography that oh, I
0: okay. that okay. I put
1: together for her. Um, and somebody might do Kilkenny Races at 110, or somebody might do Planks to Hugh O'Donnell at 67. So this non-traditional dances, uses we all use the same music, but we get to pick different speeds, and we get to pick our own unique choreography to put to it. But I'm tested over that too, so I would go in. And we'd have to have seven dances that we've prepared, but we don't know which one they're going to ask us to do. And so I would say that was part of the exam that I liked the least, was just having to <laughs> know so much material and only being tested on a small portion of it. So at you the time, I, I took mine. yeah, was going to yeah, be the test? Never... Oh, yes. Yeah. <laughs> so um, I took my test in Boston at the time because it's only offered around two, two times in the United States each year.
0: Okay, so that's that's kind of interesting. I don't think I've ever heard of that concept, but it makes sense. Are you saying that you are basically teaching someone and you sort of have to bring them with you and show kind of like this is me proving that I can teach someone, this is someone that I've taught?
1: They actually will have dancers okay, from the local right. dance school. Okay. And um, you do, yeah, you're asked to teach them something. How long do you
0: have to Teach them something. Cause are you teaching them an original dance of yours? Is that what uh-huh. you're saying? Okay. So yes. how long do you have to get them to? You know,
1: that's a question that a lot of whenever we were all studying, there was a little message board, and it was kind of figuring out like, you know, do you have a certain time? Like, do they have to get something in a certain amount of time, or what if you don't get finished teaching them the whole step? And I think part of it is is that there's not really like they don't have to memorize it; they just want to see how you interact with the children. Oh,
0: okay. So and see
1: if you can. Okay. Um, so what I remember with my dancer that I was teaching, not my, my dancer that I took, but the dancer that they gave me to teach this part, and she was struggling with it, which is interesting because she's actually, she was a champion dancer from another school. So I, it was a move that she could have gotten, but I'm sure they tell them, you know, well, I want you to struggle with something and see how the teacher, re, or see how she would react. And so I remember she was doing a part and she wasn't really getting it. And so I gave her a similar move that she could work on until she got the fancier move. So it was like a drum. And so instead of doing a toe heel drum, she just did a heel drum. And I remember that the panel said, why don't you give her a little bit of time maybe to get it a little bit better. And so um, I did and she still wasn't necessarily getting it but what I think they wanted to see was that you're able to work with the dancer and their strengths and also give them different options so it wasn't like that one move she could do something else that would maybe fit her better until she got the harder move you know they want to see that you can teach not just a hard step but give them something they can evolve with and get better as they work.
0: That's an important thing for any teacher. I can always remember that the best you know, teachers just academically that I had in high school were the ones that were able to explain something in three or four different ways if I didn't understand it the first time. I feel like so that's that, the story that of my sense. life, yes. Yeah. Uh,
1: so I would have dancers. We have this move called um, threes. and you, So you would say hop one, two, three. And then I would have one dancer that it would make more sense if I said gallop and hop. And then I would have another dancer that she would do better if I said gallop and gallop and hop because it kind of went more with the music. Um, I had another dancer a long time ago, I had to say one two split because that meant at that moment her legs were apart, not together. Okay. And so it is, it's like finding different ways to tell a dancer the same thing that makes it click for them, you know, because everybody's different, everybody has different learning styles and it's interesting to find saying it for this dancer really works but having to find it, say it in a different way for another one, mm. you know, like you said, just finding different ways of saying the same thing.
0: Cool. Well, do you have any sort of events or anything that you guys put on or are a part of that you would like to promote that are coming up that, you know, maybe people could come to if they're interested in what you're doing?
1: Yeah. So I have a couple I have three different things that we're doing to kind of touch all age, areas. So the one thing that we're doing new this year is a Irish dance camp and I'm really excited about this one. It's going to be um, more of an introduction to Irish dance. They're not going to be learning a ton of like, they're not going to be learning whole dances, getting into hard shoe, teaching the basics of Irish dance, but also teaching them a little bit more about the culture, teaching them kind of some Irish language and giving them some um, Irish crafts where they get to design their own Irish dance dress. And then um, the last day of camp, we're going to do, like, snow cones. And it's actually, what I love, there's, when people come to Irish Dance, I'm always expecting that they've seen Riverdance or Lord of the Dance. But what I found is that, you know, a lot of them have seen us at Irish Fest. And so I'm going to do a movie time. We're going to watch Lord of the Dance at the end of camp so that they can kind of see a dance show and how this Irish dancing gets kind of used in other ways than just competition. So we have that coming up. If the camp is something that people can't make because during school or during summer, I know people have vacations and stuff, we do an intro class on the weekends. And so August, we're gonna have an intro to Irish dance on Saturdays. It's a four week class, one hour a week. It's 10 to 11 and that's for all ages. So kids four up to adult. Some adults would prefer, I know, to kind of be in class with other adults. So the third thing that we're doing is a class called Kaylee Club, where we're going to be learning those Kayleys I talked to you about, the ones that you can go to any place in the world, and if there's an Irish dancer there, you could get together and maybe do Walls of Limerick together because you'd all have the same Hmm. dance. Hmm. And so the Kaylee Club, I'm trying to promote that as a way for people who, adults, 21 and over, for them to have fun with Irish dance, but it's not as structured. They're not having to meet every week. They're not really having to go home and, like, practice a lot it's more of a fun outlet around the culture of irish dance and something they can do yeah bring your own beer bring your own wine we'll have some snacks somebody called it like the Pinot's palette of irish dance where (laughs) they come they get to sip and have more fun and then you know what i would love to see with that is having class time you know we have a one scheduled for august 15th it's a thursday evening and, um, you know, having a couple Kaylee clubs once a month and then going out to McNally's or Kilkenny's or Arnie's where they have some of these bands play Irish music and then being able to do some dancing at the bar. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. So yeah. Um, they call it session music where, you know, you might hear it. Carja I know, plays around town. Um, But, you know, they play a reel and we all get up and we do walls of Limerick together. So kind of giving them an outlet as well to learn something in class in a less structured environment and then being able to take it out into the town and, you know, into the the community and sharing that with them in that way.
0: Man, that sounds sounds like it'll be really fun.
1: August 15th. All right. Put it on your calendar. (laughs) All
0: right. So where can people find you on social media? And our websites to learn more about you.
1: Yes. Yeah, so I have a website, thegoodacademy.com, good with an E. We have an Instagram page and we have a Facebook page. And if anybody needs more information, they can just contact me directly.
0: Cool. Are, and I also want to ask, are you are you the only one that's got an Irish Dance Academy going in Tulsa?
1: So I have the only certified
0: ah. Irish
1: dance Academy in Tulsa.
0: Well, that's cool. I'm, I'm glad that you are a part of keeping that alive here and kind of, you know, I, not even just keeping it alive, but making it cool. Yes. Yeah.
1: <laughs> and then there's, like I said, there's um, there's a school in Tahlequah. There's a certified or certified school in Tahlequah, a certified school in the Edmond, Oklahoma City area. And then um, I actually have a branch in Stillwater, too, that we opened last year. Cool. So, and I do homeschool wow. classes for home, like... Again, a lot of my classes are all ages, but I do have a time during the day for more homeschool age kids um, that adults could come to. But yeah, all ages, homeschool, adults only. We got it all.
0: Awesome. All right. Well, you heard it here. Thank you very much for talking to Thanks me. Thanks for is, having yeah, me. This is so fun. Yeah. This is a really cool studio that you have here, by the way. Thank but, you. Yeah, I love the wood floors you got down in there appreciate it I bet, that, I bet that sounds really cool with the shoes is, i know is i it, is was it just thinking thunder in here
1: i could yeah 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 That's sometimes cool. i was gonna say i should have had some of um my dancers here to do an acoustic version of a treble reel but maybe i could put one together real quick
0: sure do you yeah. want to do that yeah all right yeah well i'll uh i'll play that on the instagram but yeah thank you for talking to me here thanks for having me And that wraps it up for this interview. Once again, that is the Good, with an E, Academy of Irish Dance in Tulsa. You can find them on Facebook and on Instagram. So if you or anyone you know would like to be on the show, would like to be featured in your own episode on the Tulsa Lately Podcast, you can hit me up at the Tulsa Lately Podcast on Instagram or Twitter or facebook or you can send me an email to tulsalately at gmail.com and once again make sure to subscribe on soundstooth itunes spotify soundcloud stitcher all the important ones and i got no other announcements unless you want to advertise hit me up on the same channels other than that tulsa and surrounding areas i'll see y'all around